Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Well, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. We have got a treat today and a first for the Unseminary Podcast. We've got Ben Straub. Ben uh, is not a church leader, but he's one of those leaders. I want to make sure that church leaders, pastors, teachers, people who listen uh, to the podcast, uh, you know, learn about. I think he's got a lot to offer us, uh, and he also has some great services that I want to make sure that you're uh, aware of. So, Ben, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me here. Excited. Well, why don't you tell us a bit? I love your title, Ben Straub, Content activist. Uh, what does that mean and what, what do you do at uh, Ben Straub Industries International? Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. You know, I, there's, there's really two worlds that I've lived in and that I'm kind of trying to merge together and that's it's marketing and publishing. And publishing is all about ideas and systems and, uh, and marketing is all about calling people to action. And so I thought that was a really great way to describe what I do uh, in the sense that we try to help um, leaders uh, High-capacity leaders create messages that inspire people to take some type of measurable action, and uh, and so that that's it. Plus, you know, I, people ask me all the time, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? And uh, and I tell people I want to start a social movement. I just haven't figured out which one yet. <laughs> nice, very cool. Well, you know, I know um, one of the things that you know I've worked in multiple churches, and it seems like this whole idea of kind of content publishing. Obviously, the church can be looked at in one way as kind of a content publisher. You know, every weekend we're cranking out content, um, and then a lot of pastors come to the point where they say, you know, I want to take it to the next level. I want to kind of extend my platform and you know publish a book or you know that sort of thing. So those are the kinds of things we want to talk about today, which is you know this whole idea of you know kind of book publishing and 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 tell me kind of how have you worked with other authors or leaders um, thought leaders in the kind of book space in the past yeah absolutely absolutely so uh, we you know I'm typically brought in to work with uh, with a key leader such as a pastor an executive director of a nonprofit or a CEO of a company and uh, they they typically ha already have a message and a platform and and they're sharing it one-on-one uh, -on -one. they're sharing it at events uh, but what they've learned to get to the next level is that sharing it one-on-one -on -one or even in an event scenario is a very inefficient way to transmit mm -hmm. ideas. And so they really need a piece uh, to precede them in an event, but then also something to follow up with somebody. Uh, and they also learn that their their people who are their biggest fans uh, want a souvenir to remember the experience by, uh, but that they also want something they can pass on to somebody else. And so I work with them, you know, typically sitting down from the very beginning with a concept and building that out to some type of content plan then the actual production process and sometimes uh, even in the execution of that process um, getting the book done actually you know printed in that and right. that, that functions both in self-funded ways but then also traditional publishers so sometimes publishers will come to me for part or the entire process uh, just depending on their workload. Okay, so let's say um, you know you're going to sit down with a pastor, and they, um, you know, they have a kind of core message. A lot of times, you know, teachers, pastors, they have like something that they, you know, it's like God's put on their heart. That's like, hey, we've got to tell the world this thing. Um, what would you say? How would you help them start that process of saying, okay, I want to take that? Maybe they've got a series of messages, or you know, they've got kind of talks. What would be some of those initial steps that you would kind of coach them towards um, starting to package that up to go to? to kind of leverage that in other environments. 
Right, absolutely. So the process, I break it down into three different phases. First is the concept phase, then, de then the development phase, and then the production phase. And the concept phase is very, very important. And it's really geared toward what, what, we de what I describe as the content matrix. And so the content matrix is comprised of, of three things. Context, who it is that you're talking to, what questions do they have about the world around them, what problems are they facing, how can you uniquely help them. Um, and then most importantly, what are their unique content consumption habits. And then the second thing we talk about messaging, because one of the things that we know that leaders are great at is creating messages. The problem is there's, a, there's often a, a huge lag between when the message is created and transmitted and when the message actually creates an impact on the other end. Mm. So, so that's why repetition is so important and that's what the traditional advertising world has really traded on and that is impressions. And so the idea that we want to hear the same thing over and over and over again, we have to be exposed to it a number of times before we actually hear it. So, so that's important for us to really condense the number of messages that are created to where we really hit that white hot center of, of the potential uh, and the biggest ideas possible. And then the third part is what I call um, connection points or you could also call it distribution channels. And, and a book to me is one distribution channel. It's one way to focus a message to a particular group in that per, in, in, for that particular segment of that group. So even in a niche, there are multiple segments that you're trying to, uh, to reach and they're going to all have different consumption habits. And so going back to context, whatever their native consumption habit is, that's what you want to make sure that your messaging is presented in that way. Because unless you are the federal government or the IRS, <laughs> People are going to maintain their preferences, so they're not going to all of a sudden switch uh, consumption channels just because you're there, right. um, and, uh, and or, or that that's the most efficient way. And so, I mean, the greatest example of that in a church context is announcements from the platform. I mean, that's a very efficient, organizationally efficient process. But what happens in, in, a, in a church when people are there 24 to 26 times a year instead of 50 to 52 times a year? Mm. Well, that means that it's, a, it's possible that you could say something once and half the congregation never hear it. Right. Uh, and, uh, and so while it's efficient for the organization, it's not necessarily efficient from when you're uh, creating action. So that concept phase is very, very critical to the process. And there's some specific exercises that I do with leaders to really hone in on that. The first one is what I call the jury box. And so we actually I have a big white pad or we're sitting in front of a whiteboard and we actually define 12 people that they know, they call by name, and we go through all of those things. What questions are they asking? What problems are they facing? How can they uniquely benefit from this? Because when you're focusing a message, it's really hard to say, I want to say this to the world. But that's what all leaders want to do, right? But right. the whole world isn't going to be plugged into what you're having to say. You want to hit the people that, that embody or personify the people who have the most to gain from what you have to offer. So then it becomes much easier in the, in the development phase to be able to say, okay, how would I say this to Susie? Or how would I say this to Sam? Whatever those names are. And so that's the first part. The second part, and this I totally stole this from a friend of mine, Josh Webb, who leads a group out of Atlanta <laughs> called Root Radius. We call he calls it passion vomit. We actually wrote an ebook about that on 
uh, Amazon, but it's really where you, you, when you talk to a leader, they're often so excited about what they're doing that if you just ask the right question, they will literally vomit every idea that they have on you. <laughs> you know, I mean, you've had those conversations, right? Right, that's and, so true. Uh, and so it doesn't necessarily make sense. It doesn't necessarily follow a logical pattern, and there's lots of assumptions they make about the person, but they're just unloading. And so once we figure out who we're talking to, then we, I just let them unload. And, and, and that is really for me to do two things. One, it's, it's to help them kind of unpack, make sure everything's on the table that needs to be on the table. The other thing is it helps me begin to see the world through their eyes. Mm -hmm. And that's just one of those unique gifts that God's given me is I can get inside somebody's head. And if I can figure out what, what you'll do and how you'll think and what values that you have, then I can anticipate how you might say something, which is going to be very important for the development phase. And so then at the end of that, uh, you know, those two, three days that we spend together, then I come back with a concept paper, and that kind of that's your game plan. It's a business plan. It's kind of half book proposal, half marketing plan, half half business plan on who we're talking to. You know, how do, how's the the piece going to be used? How's it going to be organized? And then everyone knows kind of what that looks like from beginning to end. And so many of the people that I work with, the reason why that's so important, many of them that I work with are so busy. And the reason why I'm there is because they're busy. And right, right. so if I created a process that, that required them to be involved in a, in a big way, it would never get done. So, right. so the way I describe it is this process is designed to have the greatest amount of impact with the least amount of interruption into the natural flow workflow of the leader. And so once that's done, once that's agreed to, then everybody in the process, whether it's a publisher or a self-funded project or if there's two or three other people involved uh, and myself and the author, you know, we all know where we're going, how we're going to get there, and how long it's going to take. And then I disappear, come back with you know, 30,000, 50,000, 75,000, whatever the amount of word count is, and then we toss it back and forth a few times, and then it goes into the, uh, the final phase production of the editing and interior design and book cover and those kinds of things. And, uh, and of course, you know, I always tell folks that a book, again, is one distribution channel, and it's the beginning of something that hopefully creates a much more layered communication strategy. Yeah, very cool. Well, that there was a lot packed in there. Clearly, you're in the content business. I'm like, oh my goodness, no, let's stop and talk about that. Um, you know, it's interesting what you said there about the jury box. One of the things um, at our church, uh, Tim Lucas, our lead guy, and uh, and then Tom Kang, who's our one of our campus pastors and also a secondary teacher, every week they do something called Thursday Night Gospel Hour. Um, and what that is, is they go over the, the message on the weekend, and they actually, whoever's preaching, preaches it. Um, and they they pull the whole thing apart, and our graphics guys are there and make up all the support graphics and all that. And it's a long process. It's like a seven eight hour process that they go through. It's amazing. But one of the things a part of that process is similar to the jury box, where they they talk through who is this message for, um, and they they I think there's something to that that it's not just like this theoretical like I'm preaching to moms today. No, 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 no. That's not what it is. It's like, well, you know, there's this woman, Christine, in our church, and she's really struggling with her kids. And, you know, man, this just got to really connect with her today. You know, we're really hoping that this will, um, you know, and, it, and when, you're, when you're thinking the jury box, are you construction, are you pointing towards actual people or kind of theoretical constructs? What, what, what does that look like? Oh, no, actual people. Uh, because, you know, leaders are so used to dealing with individuals. They know how to, in a conversation, that's where God's gifted them, that intuition of how do I say this to this person in a way that they'll receive it uh, in, the, in, in the way that it was intended to. And so these have to be real people. And that's where it really becomes, it becomes sticky and it becomes hard sometimes. It's probably the longest part of the process. 
um, to be honest with you. But that that's it's critical because if we're talking to demographics or if we're talking to you know statistical analysis or that, it's just really hard to to overcome ending up sounding really impersonal. So you you either sound like you know, and of course, if you write something for everybody, it reaches nobody. Uh, in the same way, you know, from a preaching standpoint. So you want to preach to those people. And, and it, it also personalizes the process. So for the leader, who typically tends to be really strong orally, to translate that down into the paper is a completely different discipline. And so when they when they try to do that themselves, they, they go from being highly personal and relational to highly impersonal. Right. And uh, and so right. that that jury box really kind of becomes an accountability point that says no 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 we're gonna we're gonna keep the conversation as personal as it would be as if you were having a cup of coffee with me across the table. Yeah, that's very good. Um, where have you seen kind of the process? Is there a common sticking point? You know, again, I'm thinking of a church leader who may be thinking about writing a book, and they're like, okay, there's this there's one point in the deal where it 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 just seems like leaders get get you know stuck. Um, is there a piece of that that you see particularly? You know, I think where where leaders where leaders get stuck, and particularly church leaders, is they they feel like that the only way to get this done is to do it themselves. And so when when you when you add this layer on there, this is such a personal one on one type thing that it's really easy to kind of you know shove off to the side because you've got you know hospital visits to make, you've got staffs to lead, you've got you know vision that's, you know to speak to and you've got all the practical realities of being a, a leader of a growing dynamic organization and keep in mind the people that are typically going to engage with me are people who are high capacity leaders who are leading in growing situations. Right. Well, Growth is not a time for a lot of leisure activity. Um, growth is really, for lack of a better word, you know, time is balls to the wall, right? right. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it's just, you know, hunker down, go, make it happen. And, uh, and so time, it becomes a, an internal conflict of how much should I be doing this and how much should I involve somebody else. And, uh, and so once somebody realizes that, hey, it's more important that this message get out than it is that I'm the one who puts every sentence and every word on the page, then, then all of a sudden they they see the process in, a, in a, as a, as a, an assistance, a way for me to come alongside and accelerate what they're doing, not a way for me to hijack what they're doing. Right. Definitely. Okay, that's cool. Um, sidebar, I think, you know, a part of what I appreciate what you said there was just even, you know, this connection point, trying to find, you know, use the distribution channels that your people that you're trying to reach are using. Uh, but a, a question around kind of the traditional publisher versus, you know, self-publishing, you know, all of that. Obviously, you know, you're, you'd work with whoever. But when you think of, like, your average pastor, you know, who's leading a growing ministry, that kind of person you're talking about there, maybe not the average pastor, but the pastor that's leading that, that kind of growing ministry, which way would you steer the conversation um, if you were interacting with them? Well, you know, it really depends on on what their goals are. Um, so, for instance, uh, I've I, sometimes I work on a book project in advance of a fundraising campaign. Um, so, I, you know, I'm thinking about one that I did last year for a church down in uh, Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And 80% of the church going into the campaign was not part of some of the significant transitions of the church that had been in its history. I mean, this is a church that went from a downtown stately church to to moving and uh, and by the way, every pastor who tried to move this church before this particular pastor like disappeared or died or oh, some gosh. weird thing. I mean, this is just really unbelievable. This is Godfather all over again. But so so they actually ended up moving the church, 
rebirthed it, and now 80% of the people are there, and now it's three times as big as it was when it was downtown. Wow. You know, 80% uh, of the people there had no idea of what the common story was, and so this is a way to say, hey, this is the story of us. This is our common story. We've been to the brink of impossible, and God's brought us over it. And so, you know, in that kind of context, it become, makes sense to, uh, to do it yourself because of speed and time, um, and because you have more control over the process, and it's for a very specific niche. When you go to a traditional publisher, they're looking for a broad general audience. And from a timeline perspective, you're probably looking from the time you sign the contract to the time it hits the bookshelf, 12 to 18 months. And, uh, and so when you have particular events that are driving a book, um, then you're going to want something that you're going to have a little more control over the process. Um, so I, I like to tell, tell leaders to look at as both and. You know, stop seeing traditional as one. It's either it's, stop seeing it as either or. It's both and. And right. the other thing I would say is, don't wait until you're ready to do a book. I mean, gosh, I mean, you're creating this mound of content every single week. Look for ways and systems to capture your ideas, build on that, and then how? What are those inflection points when you know you can take those? I mean, you know, for instance, for the average pastor, one stream might be, why not take a sermon series? And after the end of that, you've already developed the art and the uh, the transcript uh, from the message if you haven't done any writing on it. Develop a small group study for your folks. Develop a personal study guide for your folks. Build your own church digital library of resources that you know fit the culture and context of your church. Then, based on, based on that, see if you see some larger themes and maybe look at doing a series of ebooks, and then take those and the feedback you get from that and develop it into something that can be printed and distributed into a book. And so look at it as a cumulative effect, not just one time, but many times, which will help you with impressions. And then every once in a while, you'll, look, you'll find those stumble in those opportunities where you have some mass uh, a message that can be uh, that it can be received by a mass audience that's not necessarily only event driven that a traditional publisher might be interested in. Ah, very cool. Again, a lot you know, a lot <laughs> packed in there. You know, I, I know I, I we've talked about this in the past. I think there is this great shame in so many churches that, that we are sitting on this content treasure trove um, of past messages that you know my my experience with a lot of folks that. You know, preach that are great gifted communicators is they're always thinking about the next thing. So you know, yeah. they're thinking about two or three. They're not even thinking about their current stuff. They're thinking about two or three series down the road. That's where their creative energy is going. And so by the time they kind of land the series, they drop it out. It happens, and then they move on. And unfortunately, you know, I think there there's a huge opportunity there for churches to say, hey, we should try to use that back content um, because it's great content, right? People will would love to interact with that um, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, I, I look at it like an investment account. Mm -hmm. So, so I think churches, bloggers, folks are creating these mounds of content, and 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 what are we what are we doing with that? And if we're not doing anything with it, we've wasted it. So it's an asset waiting to be mined. So what we need to do is take that latent content and figure out a system that will work for the leader, and and while whether the leader is actually touching it or not, so that it's being distributed on a continual basis and continuing to get life from it. Yeah, it's cool. Um, you know, before we jump into the lightning round, anything else that you want to say to a pastor who's maybe thinking about, like, hey, I've got, you know, I've got some a book in me, some stuff I need to think through. Anything else you'd like to say to them? You know, I uh, what one of the things I think is a great discipline is is just get in the habit of finding some space to record what you're thinking. 
um, you know, and, uh, and, and process through it. As you have conversations with folks and you keep getting similar questions, write those down and then periodically review that um, somewhere and s somehow, whatever's convenient for you, if it's writing it in a, you know, Moleskine notebook or putting, you know, putting it in an Evernote notebook, look for those themes because very often it's very difficult. You know, clarity is, never happens looking forward. Um, mm. Clarity always happens looking back. And so if you find a discipline of 10, 15 minutes, and this is different from a journaling exercise, this is really just ob you know, observations. What are questions I'm getting? What are things that I'm reading that are resonating with me? What are quotes? Just find a way to collect that. One, it'll help focus your thoughts, but then as you look back over time, you'll go, wow, this is something I should really speak to, or this is something that people keep coming to me for, and so I should find a way to write about it or share about it so even more people can, um, can benefit from it. This is the Unseminary Podcast, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. All right, well, here we are at the lightning round where we uh, go through a series of questions with a leader just to kind of get a sense of what's going on uh, in their world as we kind of wrap up the show. Uh, so first of all, Ben, what's an online resource that you're using these days that's, you know, that's helping you in your, your ministry, your work? Uh, Evernote. I mean, I, I am a huge Evernote fan. I live an Evernote-centric lifestyle, and uh, and I just can't imagine doing what I do without having a tool like that. Nice. Yeah, it's a good. It, people keep saying that. So if you're not on Evernote, you at least have to try it and decide against it. You know, you yes. got to really get get yes. a, get into it for sure. Um, what's a book you've read uh, in the last you know six months, a year uh, that's had an impact on on you these days? Uh, well, I tell you, this was a, a couple of people recommended this book to me by uh, Henry Cloud called Necessary Endings. I mean, this is one of those books that just messed me up. I mean, it got inside your head and it just kind of forced you to think about things differently. And one of the things he talks about in there is that even good things sometimes have to be brought to an end to make room for even better things. Oh, wow. And one of the examples that he uses in the book is a new CEO comes into a company and there's, there's multiple divisions of this company that are highly profitable and have been profitable for a long time. And so his job is to say, okay, how can I take this company to the next level? We actually had to shut down a couple of those very profitable um, you know, things that were happening and there was a huge backlash from some of the you know, vice presidents. What the heck are you doing? You know, I mean, you're you're shutting stuff down that we're making a lot of money and doing it. And and the CEO's response actually articulated exactly what uh, the author is trying to say here is that look, these are good for today, but in five years they're not going to be you know they're they're not going to be good. And so we know. have to, we have to be able to take prune those back so right. we have room to grow and you know borrow some of that uh, that agricultural um, type imagery in that process. But so you know it really forces you to look in and go, okay, so a lot of things are going well. What needs to not be there so that there's room to grow in the ways that we need to grow? Yeah, that's obviously a gutsy leader, right, who can do that, who can yeah. cut out the good uh, to try to do the great. You know, that's, that's amazing. That's cool. Um, all right. Uh, you know, what's another ministry out there that's kind of, you know, you know inspiring you today? You're like, wow, I just love what they're doing. Yeah, I love what uh, Sophia's Heart's doing. So I did a book earlier this year with former American Idol finalist uh, Danny Gokey. And uh, really the purpose of the book, Hope in Front of Me, um, it was about raising awareness about this foundation that he started uh, with the money from his first wife's death. Uh, and then if you know a little bit about his story, you, you kind of get the back, back story on that. But uh, this, this whole ministry exists to... Uh, to find a, a safe place for homeless families to stay together 
while he helps them get back on their feet. And wow. one of the things that um, you know that's that was important to him. You know, he always had a passion for ministering to homeless people, and and so you know, Sophia always had a passion for families. And so you know, if you if you know much about homeless ministry, it typically separates the family. So if, if you end up homeless, the men go somewhere and the boys I go somewhere. Men's, women's, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Which, you know, so a highly stressful situation becomes even more stressful. Well, right. what he's done is is he's taken this, uh, you know, in East Nashville, he's taken this old hospital facility and he's revamping these rooms that used to have two patients in them. And he's making them efficiency apartments. And so they're self-contained. Wow. And so he, he's able to, to bring these families in, give them a safe place to be, uh, give them you know food and shelter, all those things. But then he also has these dream classes where he kind of helps them re-envision what life could be like. There's job wow. training and skills. He helps them find find jobs. And so he's really rehabbing the family. And I think it's just there's something about that that's just it's holistic, uh, it's complete, and, and it's com it's so completely um, comprehensive that it feels overwhelming. But somehow he's making it happen. Wow, that's cool. That's really cool. Um, who's a leader out there, still alive today, if you could get 15 minutes with them, uh, that you'd love to spend some time with them, and why them? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I'm going to pick somebody that probably uh, is not necessarily spiritual in nature, yeah. but he's a guy that's had a huge impact on my life uh, just from reading what he's what he's written and listening to him talk. His name's Tom Peters. Um, oh, yeah. And and just to you know, a little warning here, he's a little irreverent at times. So <laughs> so if you uh, you know if you're bothered by that, I don't think most leaders are, but if you're really bothered by that, don't don't read what he has to say. Right. But right. Uh, but you know he he really he wrote a book called. The brand you, uh, Y O U, uh, way before the social media revolution. I read it back in college in uh, the early 2000s, and uh, really talked about seeing your life, seeing you as a company that has assets and skills, and you invest them in projects and in people. Uh, sometimes for exchange of money, sometimes that's for an extended period of time, or sometimes that's a contract to help you. Uh, do incredible things, and so he talks about these wow projects. So look for things in life um, that will help you, you know, challenge you to grow, improve your own personal asset portfolio, not just financial again, um, but improve your own asset portfolio, and will continue to multiply opportunities for you going forward. And that's that's so that really colored the way that I look at life. And so so when I always when I have opportunities to go this direction or that direction, I always pick the the project that I feel like is going to cause me to grow the most. Mm. Projects right. that's going to open doors for me and not close doors for me, and uh, so it's just he's had a profound um, impact on on shaping the way I view the world. Yeah, Tom Tom Peters is amazing. I loved his, his book. I don't know if you read it, um, Reimagine, um, which came out before Brand You, and it's. Um, the thing I appreciate about Tom, he, you know, he's one of those guys who wrote In Search of Excellence like way back. It's like the kind of book that my dad, you know, yeah. loved, you know, in like yeah. the 70s or whatever. And he has constantly kind of reinvented himself throughout, you know, the years and and lives by what he says. And so, yeah, that's cool. He's he's amazing, amazing leader for sure. Absolutely. Uh, um, so you're kicking back, you know, you're not, you know, pounding out on the keyboard, cranking out another 30,000 <laughs> words. Uh, what do you do for fun? Where do you, uh, you know, what do you do for fun? We're supposed to have fun. <laughs> I mean, uh, you, know, I, you know, it's uh, it's pro probably terrible, but I, I'm very much of a, a nerd and very much of a um, I tend to have a workaholic tendency. So, okay. um, just a little self confession there. Yep. So I probably don't have a lot of downtime, but when I do, or when I do allow myself, man, I, I love great food. Um, I love movies. 
Um, I, and, uh, and, and if I get a rate, you know, crazy wild hair, I love to go to the gun range and just uh, shoot up a few targets, you know. Oh, gosh, you must be from the south. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's great. If you want to shoot things, that's fine. <laughs> that's cool. Well, Ben, thanks so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate you. I appreciate what you do. Um, you know, I love following you. I think you're, you know, super smart leader. I think super articulate. Um, you know, love what you're up to. If people want to get in touch with you, um, how would they do that? How can they follow you and then if they want to connect with you? Yeah, I mean, the, the easiest place to go is benstroup.com, you know, B-N-S-T-R-O-U-P.com, and uh, just, you know, give, give a good variety, a good flavor of the different things that I do and the people I'm involved with, and of course, there's a, a place there for you to be able to reach out, and we can start a dialogue and see if, see if, uh, see if I can help you, and if I can't, I'm, I'm very happy to connect you with somebody who I think can. Nice. Yeah, Ben's a great, just to, you know, kind of give my testimony for Ben. He's a he's very open-handed, wants to help people. Um, and obviously, you know, he's a business guy. He's got stuff he's trying to sell. Uh, but I always feel like he's willing to give connections to whatever. And so thanks so much for being on the, on the show today, Ben. And I hope you have a great week. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. This is the Unseminary Podcast. Stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Well, I'm just so thankful that Ben was on the show. Thank you for, you know, it's obviously a bit of a change this time around. Not a church leader, but I just thought Ben had some good things to say. Um, please feel free to reach out to him if you've got a project that you're thinking about he might be able to help you with. Um, as you go, there's a link in the show notes today to, with an interview I actually did with Carrie Newhoff um, where we talked about churches leveraging uh, back content resources. Thought that might be interesting to kind of continue this conversation a little bit. So check out that. And thank you so much for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. We'll see you next Thursday. Have a great weekend. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary Podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary Podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary. <laughs>